1: While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome back to another episode of Barnyard Language. Thank you for joining us here today. And as usual, we're going to start off with what's been going on, on the farms and in the houses and all that kind of stuff. So Katie, what's going on in Iowa?
0: Well, now that I'm available to talk to you and there's a cat standing in the middle of my desk on the farm, we just finished up first crop of hay. And I had Jim text me the numbers of bales because I know somebody's going to want to know.
1: We did 100. 100- that was the sound of a cat being thrown that off the desk. That was
0: the sound of a cat being thrown off the desk, yes. 150 small squares, 75 round bales that were wrapped, and 100 round bales not wrapped. So, for well the
1: done, farmers.
0: Folks, keeping score at home.
1: And
0: I was very happy to have my sister in law and her husband out to help drive truck to move bales because that's the. Uh, people crunchiest part of the whole thing is getting the bales out of the field you
1: know right where they where they need to be yeah
0: yeah when you're moving them you know two or four at a time 300 odd bales including 175 big ones takes a long Mm -hmm. time so anyway As far as the family, if anyone has any advice for convincing my daughter that she's willing to wear her hair in a ponytail so it stops being so hot on the back of her neck, it's making my neck itch just thinking about it. I just filled up the pool for the ducks, so I'm sure they're happier. And having some chicken predation problems, which sounds like it's going around. I guess maybe it's just that time of year.
1: Yeah, we're having the same thing at our place. We, uh, We haven't had chickens for all that long. I think I said before we got chickens when when everyone else did during the pandemic. So this is just our second year of chicken ownership and we have had a pretty good run. And yeah, the last few mornings we've, we've lost quite a few. I, I think they're raccoons is what our issue is from what little research I have done into what different creatures look like when they kill your chickens. (laughs) But yeah, sounds like it's raccoons at our place or looks like anyway.
0: Yeah, for anyone who missed our coffee chat this week, we did get a really deep dive into how to tell what's killing your birds by what's left. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll- we had
1: we had our first uh, virtual meetup. So if you want to hang out with us and other cool farm people, you can join our private Facebook group and we're gonna try and do them once a month, I think. And just whoever wants to come hang out and this time talk about what's killing your chickens, but that won't be an ongoing theme probably, but you know, we'll just, whoever's there, we can hang out and chat and talk parenting or farming or both or neither, whatever people want to talk about.
0: Yeah, it was fun. And folks actually showed up and not all of them were Arlene's relatives. So that was nice. I mean, Arlene's <laughs> relatives are delightful, but I was feeling a little lonely that it was like a family reunion. And, and I was it, was,
1: it was like, it was half Iowa, half Ontario. So if you're not from one of those two places, we particularly encourage you to come in. Uh,
0: and join yeah, us. yeah. I've realized that there are, predators like the one we seem to be dealing with now that at least just leaves a little pile of feathers and takes everything else and presumably eats it that bothers me less the the animals like raccoons that tend to eat parts and then leave the whole bird makes me really angry because yeah. if you're going to kill it at least eat it
1: yeah you know if you're hungry okay but I, <laughs> yeah you just I don't just like it but okay that's, that's you know
0: nice. if you seem like you're doing it for fun then no which is why I don't feel bad about killing raccoons, despite the fact that I don't eat them. So if they stay out of my chicken coop, I don't kill them. When they start causing problems, I kill them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fair fair, right?
0: Well, except I think now we've just selected for the ones that are fast and sneaky. You know, we killed all the dumb, slow ones. And so now all we've got left is like the, the Mission Impossible raccoons.
1: You're right, the real stealthy ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how are things going at your place, Arlene?
1: Things are good. I've been trying to figure out how to word this one. So I'm trying to protect people's medical privacy, but also talk about what's actually going on. So I will say that my father-in-law had a medical issue a couple weeks ago and is still in hospital now. So I think I've said before that my father-in-law and mother-in-law have still been farming here with us. So um, that changes things both in terms of, you know, our both our concern, for his health and, you know, the logistics of what it looks like when, when someone who's here every day is not anymore. So let's change my day a little bit, which is fine. And now I get to feed calves as well as doing the morning milking. So I'm hanging out with the, the babies in the morning and adding that into the afternoon chores as well. So it's been kind of fun because the babies are cute most you know like when they actually drink and do what they're supposed to i mean they're still cute when they don't do what they're supposed to do but i i like them more when they just drink their milk and don't make too much of a mess for me but but it feels
0: extra frustrating too when something's being really cute and you're mad at it because i feel like for myself i get angrier because i'm like don't be cute just drink your fucking milk
1: like (laughs) yeah exactly stop stop being adorable (laughs) stop licking
0: me and sticking your tongue up your nose and being cute just drink your fucking milk (laughs) You know, those are always the ones with the eyelashes that end up with like a little droplet. No, no,
1: just (laughs) drink your food. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, he's my father-in-law is is doing better and we hope that he will be back in his house at least before too long, maybe not in the barn for a little while, but that's okay. We can, we can handle things without him. And we're just really grateful that he's still here with us, even if he's not actually uh, checking up on us at the moment. And then the other part is, you know, rural life, right? So the, the first week he was in a city hospital over an hour away. And my mother in law wasn't super confident with the driving and underground parking and stuff. So we were taking turns doing the shifts driving her into the city. So that was, you know, four plus hours a day of, well, you know, two and a bit dr- hours a day of driving. Plus, you know, hanging out while she was in the hospital because with COVID restrictions, um, they were really still really limiting visitors in the hospital. So I got to do some shopping and hanging out in a, in the city. So wasn't really what I had planned, but I mean, it was nice weather for doing that kind of stuff. And I will admit there was one afternoon I had had a short night between staying up too late and milking in the morning. And so I actually found a secluded corner of the underground parking garage and had a nice nap in the back of her SUV. So that worked out well too. So the things you can do when you have (laughs) free time in a strange city.
0: I feel like that's one of the importances to me too of connecting with other farm families is that I think when you express any level of frustration about things like having someone who works on your farm be out of commission to non-farmers, it can sound a lot like, how dare you have a medical emergency?
1: Right. And where, that's obviously not what we think. Yeah. But like, you still have to figure it out, right? And
0: it's But the cows still have to get fed. So. Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah. And it's that combination of a family and business. And so there's, you know, like concerns on all levels, right? Where you're worried about that person, but you also have to yeah, figure out the logistics of who's going to do what and how we're going to spend more time away because, you know, obviously we want to support them and and do what we can to make sure that he's getting better and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, also look after crops and hay getting in and calves getting fed and all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, and I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you and Hugh have not been spending, you know, four or five hours a day eating bonbons typically, and you just <laughs> yeah. had an extra, you know, spare five or six hours or whatever to just yeah. cruise around and you know
1: yeah not it, it, that it's... Yeah. we made it made it work but yeah yeah it yeah. definitely added you know some pressure but yes yeah, so they got he got moved to a smaller but closer hospital so that's really nice and hopefully we'll get to see him soon. Yeah, they're still being restricted with visitors, but we can do some video chats and stuff like that. So that's good. And on the kids side, we're winding down when this episode comes out, it will be our last day of school. So the house is about to get fuller and louder during the day. So our, our weekly updates might be a bit harder to schedule, but we'll make it happen. Katie's kids are younger. So mine, I can just shut out and hope that they don't start fighting while I'm, while I'm recording. Should we move on to our guest for the week? I think so. All right. Here she is. Today we're talking to Danielle Wainwright of Clover Valley Farm in New Jersey. She's a farmer, animal nutrition consultant, a parent, and one of my absolute favorite people to follow on Instagram. So thank you, Danielle, for joining us today. Hi, guys. We start each of our interviews with the same question. So this is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners, and it can cover crops, families, businesses, all manner of things. So, Danielle, what are you growing?
2: All right, so we are a cow-calf farm here in New Jersey, and all of our steers I raise and sell the meat direct to the consumer, which is our local community. By local, I actually last year sold our beef, I think it was seven or eight states, so we're right in the tri-state area, so Philadelphia is right across the bridge, Delaware's within 30-40 minutes, so when you say that many states, it's not that far of a drive when you're in New Jersey. But yeah, so we have our cows that we sell, our beef. I'm a uh, crazy chicken lady (laughs) and I have way too many chickens.
1: How Um, many is way too many? Just for for reference.
2: So like, that's hard. Chicken math is hard. (laughs) Maybe a hundred. I don't know. They just like come and go and I don't know. Probably a hundred. There's a bunch. Yeah. So before I had the boys, I had like 250 and I scaled down a lot from that, but I'm like creeping back up there. (laughs) So yeah, I have a lot of chickens. And then we have a feed business that we are animal nutrition consultants. And Fred was a third generation dairy farmer. So he was his own animal nutritionist. And then I went to college for dairy science and took nutrition classes. And we also take continuing education with that. So we both really like nutrition. So he still does a lot of dairy farming nutrition and then together we do chicken hog and beef cows nutrition and then we also make all of our own hay that we feed our cows so we have a lot of different moving parts to our business and on our farm it keeps us really busy
1: and are you growing a couple of kids too i think
2: oh yeah
1: i forgot (laughs) them
2: (laughs) Sometimes yes. people start with the kids and sometimes Sorry. people forget them. All. That's all right. Got it. It's okay. So it, it is hard because so Fred and I, this is our 10th year wedding anniversary. And we were together before that five years and our oldest is four. So we definitely started our farm business and everything before we decided to have kids. So it's hard that, yeah, they're like the, <laughs> on the back end of everything. So we do, we have a four-year-old Parker and a two-year-old Sawyer. So I am definitely a boy mom <laughs> surrounded by boys everywhere. It's a good problem to have. So Danielle, did you
0: grow <laughs> up on a farm yourself and how did you end up in the
2: ag industry? I did not. So I was not born into it. I started in 4-H as a extra activity to do, and I was showing dairy cows and I actually was working on Fred's dairy farm through high school. And then after high school, I went on. I loved agriculture so much. I loved dairy farming so much. I was like, I want to do this as like my job. So I went to Delaware Valley College and I graduated with a degree in dairy science. So not like most of the kids I was with school, they all had family farms to go to. And I did not. Fred and I started dating after I graduated college and he had sold the cows two years prior. So there was no dairy cows. There was no cows. So I ended up taking a job in a milk plant where they would receive dairy uh, milk and yep and processed milk so i was in the quality control from there i went to sell all the testing equipment to all dairy processing plants to food manufacturers any gro- any brand you see in the grocery store i was in their plant checking out how they were making things making sure all their testing equipment was up to date and then after that for and night or no in the end of that Fred and i got married and we were like let's do this to- farming thing again we know dairy wasn't in the cards being in New Jersey there's only 35 dairy farms left in our whole state so it's a dying unfortunately a dying industry here and we said let's do beef cows that's very similar to dairy cows we're not too far off there and we started our herd 11 years ago
0: so and what what breed of cattle do you run
2: so we have, we, My yeah, you know <laughs> no, like, absolutely. Yeah. We have black Angus. We started with our black Angus herd and I should go back a little bit. So in college, I artificially bred cows for a breeding company. And Fred also did that growing up two different companies. So we were a little rivals there, but we love genetics. So we started with black Angus and then we kept researching genetics and would add, we have some white park. We had a little Charlet semen brought in and then we would just try to find that perfect cow that we want to raise for our beef and everything. And I, I'm going to brag on Fred a little bit. So on his dairy farm, he loved genetics so much. Also, he had a lot of cows or bulls that would be sought after by the breeding companies, and then they would add be added to their lineup. So he had a lot of bulls that became popular. So we just love genetics so much. So how many years ago, maybe 2016, we actually added a big breed. It was a newish breed to the area, which in America, it's called Wagyu. If it was in Japan, it would be called Kobe beef. So we've added that to the herd and breeding our cows, 100% Wagyu semen to our Angus cows or Herford cows, that gives you a 50% or an F1, which is, can be called American Wagyu. So we have the American Wagyu and then we've been breeding more of that back. So we're up to 80, what's an F3? Oh my goodness. I think it's 87% Wagyu. So we're getting there, so we have two separate herds that are co-mingled, but we have two different breeding programs. And then what is your, your in terms of sales for
1: beef, are you doing holes, halves? Like what, what kind of program are you running in terms of how you sell to
2: yeah. all those so states? So this is actually 11th year of offering our beef, which it feels like it was yesterday that we started. I sell it only by bulk, quarters, halves, holes. I did add an 18 pound share. So I guess it's like a one sixteenths, I believe, like a, an amount to be able to help older people that can't afford a quarter or they don't have the freezer space. And also it was a really good idea. I didn't see it at the time was people wanted, they weren't familiar with how to buy beef in bulk. That's not a, that wasn't a thing around a lot, 11 years ago. So it was a sample of what you can expect out of a quarter, get your foot feet wet by seeing, hey, this is how direct sales from a farm works. We get to find our farmer, know our farmer, know how our beef's raised. And a lot of sales that I did as that one sixteenth share grew into quarters. And we have a lot of returning customers each year.
0: Well, and I know like we've direct marketed beef for quite a few years too. And for us, we started doing a lot of by the pound sales because for a lot of customers, a, even a quarter beef is a lot of money. And so, mm-hmm. if you're not sure what the quality is going to be like, yeah. You know, it's hard. I, yeah. I get not wanting to drop, you know, 500, yeah, 100, yeah, whatever on meat without knowing what you're getting. And yeah, yeah, we ran into that too that customers had no idea how to call in a cut sheet or what they wanted uh-huh. or anything else. i just.
2: Yeah, it is very hard. I've had to customize a cut sheet that was very self-explanatory. Like you get this or this, you don't get all of the cuts available. But this year I did add something new. It should be coming or the meat should be ready in the end of May. I did send a few beef scheduled for the USDA plant. So we are going to try the individual sales just to try and see. When we sell our beef in bulk, I use a custom butcher. So the price on the butcher isn't as expensive, and I'm already prepared for double the cost of the USD for the USDA plant. So I just hope I can justify it and everybody can just see the value in that. So it's going to be a trial and error. That's something, yeah, I'm excited. So did you guys end up with problems getting into the locker with the mic? So here's the thing. In New Jersey, we do not have a USDA plant. I have to drive an hour and a half to our USDA plant. And also, our custom butcher is also an hour and a half, but in totally different directions. I tend to plan out things. I'm very, with every aspect of our business that we do, I have to plan to be able to keep everything in line. So I'm trying to think out. And I contacted them a few months out. So I guess I contacted them in the fall to schedule for now. And I was able to get in in May. So
0: yeah, see, our our state inspected locker is about an hour away and when the pandemic started they went from being four to six weeks out to two and a half years out. Oh wow. So yeah, yeah you wanna see something that I mean, we stopped selling meat because
2: we yeah. could not get into You don't even have calves out there on the yeah. ground yeah. and yeah. you're scheduling that's crazy. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like no, I can't commit to calves that aren't even conceived yet that's ridiculous. yeah <laughs> like, yeah that's
2: really hard yeah know, I can't do this
0: so we might get back into it now that things are loosening up again but now yeah. we have two little kids and it's
2: oh kind of yeah awful. it's hard yeah cuz yeah, Cause, yeah when we thing. used to yeah when we used to sell our beef 11 years ago we weren't sending near the amount of beef that we're sending now and it's yeah been a slight increase or not a slight we've been yeah trending upwards with our sales so And did you it's mention exciting how many head you're raising I didn't. That's like hard like chicken math too.
0: <laughs> a ballpark. I know because people are like, how many? Maybe cows I know, like, yeah. Adult cows, cows and calves. I know. Beans, I don't know.
2: Like, total, maybe 150. Okay. Or maybe more. 175. And we do things differently. We don't have a calving season, so we calve all year round. Yeah. I need to have the beef ready at different parts of the year, so I need to calve year around. In our weather in New Jersey. We can definitely get away with calving year round. We're are you not running.
0: Are you running a bull then? Or are you using semen?
2: We are not. We artificially inseminate everything.
0: That does help. Yeah. We, uh, we run a bull. So our calving season has gotten a little,
2: yeah. so we have a bull I can't I'll I'll backtrack there a little bit we have a bull we have not been using him his genetics were so good that we couldn't castrate him like we went to castrate him and I'm like but he's so perfect (laughs) so I don't know like he's there like he's he just turned a year in February so like he's not like an old bull hanging around so I'm not sure where his destination's gonna be if he's gonna be a sire bull for our herd or what we want to do, but his genetics are amazing. So he's staying around for a little bit. <laughs> all
0: right, Arlene, we can get back on task. Now. Oh, sorry. That's all right.
1: <laughs> Now I've now I've got more Wagyu questions. Yeah. So I was yeah. I was wondering. So now you're saying you're 50%. Do you see yourselves continuing to use the Wagyu genetics? Or are you gonna keep doing that cross? or what are are your thoughts going
2: forward in terms of of keeping that? So Fred likes to breed everything Wagyu, and I'm like, wait, 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 I want like bigger, like the Charlay to bring in some bigger framed animals. With that said, we do just breed every first time heifer or yeah, to Wagyu, because they throw very small bulls similar to a Jersey bull calf. So, or a Jersey bull giving a Jersey calf. So everybody gets it first time around. So if you're a F1 are a 50% and it's your first time to be bred, you're getting a Wagyu. So then you would have the F2. Right. So that's just, we're not breeding anybody past that back to Wagyu. Okay. Got it.
1: Yeah. So has the availability of Wagyu semen, I mean, it seems to be something that more people are, are catching on to. Has the price of that semen gone up or, and I mean, I'm assuming that there's probably better or more genetics
2: now than when you started into it? Yeah. So some of the bigger breed companies, breeding companies have started offering that bull breed. So it's really cool to see that. We did use that in the beginning. We actually have been working with a few independent breeding companies or collection companies and buying these semen straws direct from farmers or ranchers. Sure. And that's another thing. So I'm so, I'm not sure what to say in New Jersey. Nobody's a rancher. Everybody, if you raise beef, you're just a farmer. So I feel like I'm conflicted there. (laughs) Same in Ontario. I wouldn't call anybody.
1: There's no ranches. That's like a West thing, right? Yeah. yeah, So you have to go to the prairies for that.
2: Yeah. But yeah, we're doing all the same thing. So I don't know. We're not lassoing anything with. It. No, <laughs> oh yeah, riding, we're not we're doing we're that. We're not yeah.
1: riding horses, so that's kind of my definition. Although, I'm ah, sure oh that there's lots yeah, of, there's lots of differences between yeah. what's a ranch so, yeah. and what's a farm.
0: I always thought it had something to do with how tight your pants
1: are, but I'm not sure. <laughs> like, or maybe maybe the brand of jeans. Yeah, I don't jeans. know.
0: That's yeah.
2: funny. Yeah.
0: Hat size or something
2: yeah because nobody know. wears cowboy hats around here so yeah we're just farmers <laughs> baseball caps is what it is yeah. yeah yeah exactly so
1: we're gonna get off of semen talk
2: um, <laughs> oh yeah is that like pg-13 or our rated?
1: <laughs> no. oh, who knows
2: it's a, yeah it's a farming oh. podcast right? yeah so we're good yeah yeah
1: So as a parenting podcast for farmers, we're always curious about the challenges and opportunities that come with raising kids on a farm. And you already said you're a multi-generational family farm. How has farm life changed since becoming a parent?
2: Farm life, I've had to scale down quite a bit. With, yeah, how I had said in the beginning, how we had the chickens, I had so many chickens. And yeah, for five years we were married and we're farming just sun up the sundown just going full speed ahead and that's definitely slowed us down and it's hard at least I struggle with this being I am a farmer I was a farmer before I had the boys I still want to farm and having the boys yeah it I went through a lot of depression there not being able to do what I loved and seeing Fred do it and not really being able to get out there and we would take turns and we still take turns if we're doing something dangerous we'll take turns but it's hard It's It's a hard juggle.
0: I know, Danielle, that's honestly kind of the seed of where this podcast started was when we had our daughter and we'd been farming together for five years before she was born. And that first spring, you know, she was four or five months old. And I remember our kitchen window looks out into the barnyard and I watched all the guys were out in the barnyard, you know, doing sheep doing cows, getting the tractors ready and I'm standing here with a crying baby and I remember just sobbing into the sink just watching this and just realizing how much that experience is not something that's ever going to be echoed by like town mom podcasts Mm -hmm. you know my husband went out to work and left me in the house Yeah, how dare he not let me come play in the cow shit Yeah, was not something that was going to say anything to so many people yeah and
2: it was really yeah it's relatable here yeah Yeah. and this is so relatable yeah we're in the same position and didn't even know it you're not alone yeah
0: yeah and i know i mean we still i don't want to say fight about it disagree about it now because my husband will go out and do things or not tell me what needs done because he doesn't want me to have extra work Yeah. I appreciate I that. want it <laughs> I want to be doing it don't uh-huh. leave me in the house with these
2: hellions yes you know. <laughs> yes you so, watch the children Let yeah go
0: play in the shit
2: <laughs> yeah I agree so to help with my sanity <laughs> we actually enrolled the boys in daycare so I could get back out there because I, I was yeah not in a good place And that's the thing. I
1: think, I mean, sometimes we get that impression of, well, everyone else is doing it with their kids underfoot and that's just not the reality, you know, like, and we've talked about Katie and I've talked about this before, but I mean, in any other job, you wouldn't expect someone to take their kids along. I mean, the pandemic, the pandemic has forced that on people and it hasn't worked well, but I mean, like, and obviously there are some situations where it works and some people don't have options. And I absolutely, that that's, you know, everyone, every situation is different, but we should also be clear about the fact that our, our farms are busy and sometimes dangerous places for little kids. And yeah. if, if two parents are trying to farm full time, or if, you know, if, if you're trying to farm full time and look after two young children at the same time, that's, that's not in your best interest and it's not in theirs. And so, I mean. I wouldn't expect my electrician to show up at the farm yeah. <laughs> with yeah. his kids in tow, right? You know, like, yeah. so, you know, daycare is for, for farm kids too. It <laughs> is. Mean, we should be, we should have that opportunity and, and hopefully, you know, that those resources that are out there that farm families can access too, right? That there are
2: Yeah, good, and all, I know good options for childcare. I know I'm going to mess up this quote. I think it's something like we expect women to work as though we don't have kids, but uh, I'm going to mess it up. I, I know the one you mean. Oh, wait, I think I have it saved. I saved so many quotes and I'm like, oh, I don't have it. It's Maybe not right we there. should
0: just update it to we expect women to remember
1: things like they don't have kids
2: or jobs. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have yeah, so to, many
2: notepads written with notes everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like to, to parent like you don't have a job and to work like you don't have kids. Right. Like yes. That. Yes. <laughs> that sentiment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ju- just pretend that it's all fine. But yeah, can't do it. Can't do it all,
0: too. I mean, when we talk about not taking our kids to our other jobs, we're not even talking about like I have a I work remotely for Microsoft. So me taking my kids to that job does happen. It's pretty straightforward, but it's not like I'm not on a logging crew out west or like running a deep sea fishing boat in Alaska, which is about where farming ranks. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like. I would definitely not take my kids to that. So why would we expect that from farm parents?
2: Absolutely, yeah. And when we feel safe enough for ourselves and for our kids to join in a farming activity, we include them because, yeah. Even collecting eggs right now is a struggle because we have to put them in the basket like we're playing baseball, and I get five hundred cracked eggs. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a learn. It's learning. <laughs> yeah, but we can't do that every day because then we have oh, yeah, eggs had, to sell yeah. <laughs> yeah and they're learning and it's cute yeah. so i stamp our egg cartons with our farm name and our oldest parker wants to now help but sometimes the stamp is upside down and it's wonky and i the community knows now that parker helps me stamp them so that's what you're gonna get and people go after those egg cartons that have oh, the, that's like cute. they want <laughs> yeah. those because they, they want parker's eggs yeah they do and like they help me and i love it but it's yeah the time also the time constraint of <laughs> how long it takes a tour to get done is a little <laughs> I don't have all that time in the world to yeah. Well
0: and I feel like that's the other thing we don't talk about is there's so much pressure to involve your kids and help them learn and like I fully support that but when people are like, well you have to let them help cook every day and I'm like, fuck, I want to eat tonight yeah
2: like, <laughs> well, yeah I need it tonight,
0: <laughs> not tomorrow yeah, morning I want now. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's the end of a long day. I don't really want a four-year-old and a five-year-old helping me. Like, you know, let's talk about how much longer it takes to stamp all those egg cartons with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have a pretty good idea how that's going for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just letting go of your own perfectionism enough to.
2: Oh, and I am (laughs) a perfectionist. So, yeah. 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 You know, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants to mix colors. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's fun, though, to see life through their eyes. And it's like, why not? Like, let's do it. Like, we don't have to fit into that mold that the society has created. Have fun.
0: Have fun. It does make it hard, though, I think, then when you do have to enforce rules because they're going out into society and you're like, (laughs) no, I don't know why this is a rule, but it is. Yeah. Just Just put on your pants. (laughs) They you have are, to wear them. <laughs> my daughter asked this fall why her heavyweight tights aren't the same as pants. Oh. They're, they're pants with feet. Like, what? It's the, same. the same as yeah. like, they're not pants. And she's just looking at me like, I do <laughs> Just go put some pants on and quit arguing with me. Like, I don't know. There's I, not a good reason. But I that's do awesome. know how school's going to go if I send you in tights with nothing Yeah.
2: So. Yeah. We, that's, it was a, Quite a learning curve. I say we re- raise feral kids <laughs> when we yes yeah, sent them to school. Like Parker was used to just pulling his pants down and peeing wherever, and I'm like, we can't do that in school now. So yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, Danielle, one thing you had mentioned was you'd send a message that just said food allergies. Oh so yeah, hoping that you can expand upon that. Because
2: that's what
0: my question says is
2: food allergies. Got it. So I do. I have a lot of food allergies. I have celiac disease, so I can't have gluten. After taking out gluten of my diet, I found that I was allergic to dairy and soy at the same time. And then almonds and nuts are the most current food allergy that has presented itself. So it's a huge struggle to always have food available and it makes me laugh i'm not like how do you say that laugh when everybody's like afraid of meat going away that they're going to take my meat away and i'm like i can't have like my protein sources come from beef and chicken and eggs so like that's not going anywhere i don't think we're gonna let that happen with everybody that has food allergies and relies. we can't move to a solely plant-based diet i i want to be able to survive on that without not being able to eat soy as a protein. Mm -hmm. So, but just it's, it's another added level of stress trying to get farm work done and not being able to grab a quick meal or I can't go to a drive through. I can't have that. So it's another plan. I have to plan out a lot, a lot of leftover food to have leftover so I can grab a quick reheat lunch or, or reheat dinner for lunch the next day and get back to work. So it's hard and then having two little boys that don't understand it they can't fathom it at all and they want to share everything that they're having with me and it's a lot of tears that I never foresaw or foreseen happening that they want to share something with me so bad and I'm like I just keep making up excuses because they can't understand it it's like oh but I'm full or like and it's like it's hard it it, that just breaks my heart
1: yeah I I hadn't thought of that as a as i i'm lucky enough to not have allergies but i hadn't thought about the that factor of you know them wanting you know food is a communal experience right and you know yeah. little, little kids are always you know trying to shove stuff in your mouth They're, uh-huh. you know like here try this kind of thing how does that impact your does it impact your ability to prepare food like in terms of your allergies or are you okay in terms of like making things that you're
2: allergic to or is, is that something you have to be conscious of as well so we have a lot, our, a lot of our meals are just meat and potatoes or meat and rice. So it's a lot of, I guess, I don't know what you'd call that, whole foods. So we don't eat a lot of processed, but I do treat the boys a lot, once a week. We'll get to go get cheeseburgers from McDonald's and the French fries because I don't want them to miss out on that. But again, then I just have to have something else prepared for m- myself to eat. And our oldest knows, like, I think he's catching on that. I can't have a lot of things. So I'll ask. When he says, can you try this, mommy? Mommy, have some of this. I said, can I smell it instead? So now he just comes and says, "Mommy, you gotta smell this. And it like melts my heart, but at the same time, it's like, it just breaks it into pieces that like, I can't enjoy that with him. It's hard that when I let them eat gluten or soy like they all eat it my husband still makes sandwiches i guess from dairy farming he makes a cold cut sandwich for breakfast every morning so we don't have a breakfast in our house so there's like i get sick if i just have a crumb of wheat or a crumb of a bread so like some most times that i get sick i don't even know that i consumed it so it's always hard and i kind of am a spaz about it in my kitchen like just yeah the severity of it and it's hard because if I do get glutened, I'm in the bathroom for a while getting rid of it. And then I just feel awful afterwards. I feel foggy headed. I can't like think very clearly. And I just feel like crap for days while my body is recovering from, we call it poisoning, but it's not, but it's something, <laughs> it's easier for me to say I got poisoned, but yeah, it's hard.
1: Yeah. And that's from just a, like a really tiny exposure yeah. right yeah that's not not like oh I'll just make an exception you know like yeah. that's where you don't even know that it like, yeah entered your it, body
2: and it yeah I, I don't it's a crumb yeah it's not like I'm oh let me try a bite of your sandwich I could yeah. never and it's hard on the weekends we go to Fred's parents his dad just turned 92 and his mom turned 88 or 89 and she's starting to have dementia and when we go over and she's always baking she's Fred is one of six kids. So she was always baking and cooking everything. So she's always has a cake or pastries and she's always like, have it, have it, have it. And I'm like, I can't, I really can't. She's like, just one bite won't hurt you, one bite. And I'm like, but really it will hurt me a lot. And so it's the same thing every weekend. We have to go through like, why aren't you eating lunch with us? Why aren't you having cake with us? And it's, it's hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I bet and even without the dementia, you know, sometimes people of that generation don't really understand that, you know, yeah. element of, of food allergies. So, but yeah, having to repeat yourself yeah. <laughs> over and over again. And then she, I mean, probably gets a little bit offended every time too, right? Where, you yeah. know, like, it's just that you
2: you don't want to to eat yeah. what she's preparing. And I think in the beginning, she thought it was, or she and I would he- feel that from others, is that they thought I was on, like, the gluten-free diet. Like, oh, you're on like a diet. I'm like, well, no, it's it's a lifestyle right now where I would be damaging my intestines even more. So like, that's hard that you just are assumed because I order dairy free something that I am anti-dairy when in fact I have a dairy science degree and I absolutely love dairy. And if I could have any of my allergies erased, it would be dairy because I want my ice cream back so bad. So, and that's hard. Like seeing, oh, don't get dairy or anti-dairy or the non-dairy products. And I'm like, I kind of need that to live. So like, yeah, that's hard.
0: (laughs) So Danielle, that actually brings us back to what I was trying to think of that I was going to ask is, you know, I've been doing a lot of learning in sort of the intuitive eating space and, you know, not restricting and teaching our kids healthier approaches to eating than a lot of us were taught and i think that's really interesting to think about because we don't hear much about adults with things like food allergies that restrict what they eat and how that impacts what their kids grow up thinking is normal mm-hmm. you know we see a lot of folks unlearning sort of you know toxic diet culture about things but not folks who have to restrict what they eat so that they don't you know
2: yeah really sick that is or interesting yeah or
0: whatever you know
2: yeah, where I have a lot of fruits and vegetables around. And that's just, yeah, that's my snack. And the boys learned a snack on that all. And then, what was I going to say? Oh, but like when I feed the boys or when I prepare dinner for all of us, they're all eating gluten free. They just <laughs> don't know it, or I don't know. But like it's a little bit, it's, it costs more. Like a box of pasta is normally like 99 cents for the regular pasta. For my pasta, which isn't, they don't even come in a pound pack anymore, or not anymore. They never did. They're like 12 ounces. And they're like $4 a box. So it's like, it's quite a lot of money to have to have food allergies. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah,
1: and those alternative products which sometimes farmers can you know kind of like look down on as like oh well they don't want the real thing it's like well but farmers are growing those crops too right you know yeah whether it's your almond milk or your cashew milk or whatever right like we're all producing this food and people need it for a variety of reasons yeah and i mean we all you know whether it's choice and i respect everyone's choice to eat what they want or it's allergies and then it's about what you can eat i mean all the food until it's prepared in a lab i suppose i mean they're talking about you know like
2: artificial meats
1: or whatever yeah you know, like but at this at this point the food we're consuming
2: is all grown by farmers somewhere Our, yeah so. yeah it's from a field somewhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly
0: i just can't it's... be the only one who's really squicked out by lab produced meat i've
1: just <laughs> yeah no like i know
0: plenty of people who are horrified that i can like raise an animal and quite a few of them you know we kill ourselves and eat them and like no problem but the idea of my steak like growing in a petri dish just
2: yeah uh uh. it's no. not natural no. yeah <laughs> it's... and it's like not yeah like how do you i don't know like what yeah. chemicals are being made to make it something that tastes like meat or looks like meat like mm. Just give me the real thing.
0: It's cool to think that maybe the technology will help us, like, grow replacement organs for people. Yeah, yeah. It's like, absolutely. But the idea (laughs) that we're going to start growing all our steaks in a lab is just...
2: Mm -mm. Mm -mm.
0: Yeah,
1: wrong. (laughs) You can't see us, but we're all scrunching up our noses. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) So, Danielle, from following you on social media, I know that you're really involved in your community and promoting agriculture. And I'm guessing in somewhere like New Jersey, like you said, where there are getting to be fewer and fewer farms, what kind of work are you doing to promote ag and why is that an important thing for you?
2: Absolutely. So, yeah, so where we are, I guess geologically, Philadelphia or Pennsylvania is to our left, New York City's right above us. And they are definitely coming into the state and a lot of farmlands being bought up into to make room for all the new influx of people. And there's a lot of complaints that are happening. There's People are so far removed from agriculture that we need to keep due diligence on speaking up and advocating for agriculture. I am on our county level. I'm a committee member. And then I also am on our New Jersey Farm Bureau member committee, our women's committee. And I I actually just got an email last week. American Farm Bureau has a go team and it's called Grassroots Outreach. And it's just working with politicians and legislators in your state, just helping advocate for agriculture in your state. So I just got accepted into that, which is really cool. And I'll be going for training in the middle of May down in Washington, DC and meeting with some legislators from New Jersey and just helping connect a face to the industry. That's really exciting. I know we we talked just in an interview with a,
1: a local politician last week, and we were talking about that that disconnect between you know the people who are making making decisions and you know their knowledge base or lack of knowledge, you know, in agriculture and and the issues that that are important to us and should be important to everybody, but not, yeah. at, not everyone knows about, right?
2: Yes. And then on a county level, I am on our legislator tour, so we actually have. In the fall, a whole bunch of New Jersey legislators coming to somebody's farm that volunteered. We try to have it at the farm so they get to come to a real farm, see real animals, and make it a whole experience for every level of legislators in New Jersey.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting too that there's, I feel like there tends to be this feeling like farmers hate city people because we just hate them and that's why we don't want them here. And I'm like, it's not it's that we need the land we need the prices to be reasonable and if you're gonna hate it here we'd rather you knew that before you moved out here than you know yeah it's a huge legal battle all the time i i know i had arlene and i have talked about my in-laws sold their house and had a couple come look at it and the woman wanted our cattle pasture backs up against this house and she was upset because the cows were looking at her Oh my! Patio, <laughs> and she wanted to buy the house and said that they'd buy it on the condition that we moved our cows. And I was like, "That's that's not how this works."
2: Yeah, like, you have a yeah. right to farm. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: and just they're looking at you. It's not like for you know, like spreading shit six feet behind your house or something. Like they're not, yeah, doing anything
2: would you rather houses there or a playground or like what would you rather have cows be quietly grazing or like, yeah, 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 (laughs) that's peaceful. Yeah.
0: So trying to explain to people that it's not just entirely a hatred of change, but that there are, you know, legitimate reasons for concern as well.
2: Yeah. And it's, yeah. Also, it is a good opportunity to educate, which it's hard when you're so far removed that there's a lot of education that needs to happen because there's a lot of groups out there that like to slander us as an industry with a lot of false information. And it seems harder. It's, it's more easily believable. It seems like from these groups than it is from the farmers that are out here doing it. And we're saying what we're doing and it's a truth, but yet it's propaganda and it's That's so upsetting to me. That gets me so riled up.
0: (laughs) So that actually brings us really well into our next question, which I clearly need to spend more time on Instagram because Arlene honestly does like all of our social media. And then I go through and unfollow people that I find too obnoxious. (laughs) It's not many, but there have been a few. So Arlene says here that your social media content is, and I quote, a freaking delight.
2: (laughs) Because Um, it is.
0: I'm just not familiar because I don't Instagram
2: and I You're definitely don't You're missing out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't Twitter either. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> Twitter is a horrible, horrible place. That's what I know about it. But that we know that producing content isn't all fun and games and that it takes a lot of work and time to be creative. And I'm wondering why you think it's important and what do you gain from being active on social media and how can we counter that? I think it's really easy and, you know, memes or graphics to get a real black and white pro-farmer anti-farmer thing and yeah people really forget everything that's in the middle there and it I'm is. wondering yeah how we can address that with our
2: socials so i choose humor <laughs> i try to spin everything to be humorous i don't farming is really hard like what we're doing is hard you don't know what each day is going to bring if a cow's going to die, like, you don't know. So I try to see the silver lining and things. I try to make things enjoyable. People want to tune in to see Instagram to relax, not to be stressed out. So let's spin it well, not spin it, but just show it in a positive light.
1: That's uh, one of the things we were wondering was just why you choose to put time into it. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying that from a place of judgment, but why is it important? important to you and how have you, how do you feel you're making a difference by by using humor and connecting with people like what what have you seen that that kind of encourages you and keeps you going because it you know it it takes time and you know it would be probably more efficient and easier to just go out and do the chores and be done with it kind of thing but you're obviously putting putting time and effort into creating good content that people want to see and enjoy so kind of what motivates you to keep going
2: I feel like being able to show everything I do, and I show it all, I try to keep it as real as I can. It opens up the conversations just to be able to talk to a farmer, ask a question. If one person's thinking that question, more than likely a lot of other people are thinking that question. And I, I went to school to be a farmer. I'm just so passionate about it and seeing groups talk badly about agriculture and to put lies out there i just the fighter in me is like uh uh-uh i'm here to prove you wrong and i'm gonna be damned if you're gonna say something that's incorrect so i feel like the fighter in me has been forever like i always had male-dominated careers I worked as a tool consultant. Like I had to fight my way through that. Like nobody was selling, no woman was selling tools at Sears when I did that for five years. Breeding cows, I was the only girl out there. Some farmers wouldn't even let me on their farm because I was a woman breeder. They said, "Nope, we'll wait until our normal breeders in." Because what I was doing was relief work, so I was relieving their normal guy. So it's just that fighter in me. Anything I need to prove you wrong because I'm gonna prove you wrong. Or is it? What's that saying? Like, I, I farm like a girl, like try to keep over. I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you say you're a fighter, but you've got a smile on your face.
1: <laughs> you're like, <laughs> I'm going to fight you, but it's going to be fun while I'm at it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so and it's hard. So like the balancing act. So my husband, after he sold the dairy cows, went back and became a CPA, an accountant. He actually just retired after 14 years. So he's home now all the time with me. So I'm having trouble balancing being a creator on Instagram because he's like, All right, chop, chop. We got work to do. And I'm like, Wait, I gotta. Talk I need about this angle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a little hard. So, like, but he's like really, really supportive of it and very, yeah, supportive. He, in this winter, went through cancer. He had prostate cancer and in the beginning, he was very apprehensive about me sharing that information. And I just explained to him, I said, what I do with agriculture is I'm just putting the information out there. If that's helping somebody else that's going through the same thing, like just be a resource for them. And so many people reach out and was like, I need to go get that checked. Like I have been missing my physicals and I need to get that checked. So like he was an advocate for prostate cancer and like, it really opened his eyes to what, social media can do in a positive light.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Because I mean, when we don't talk about things that on all levels, right, you know, parenting or getting screened for cancer, those types of things, if, if you don't talk about it, then everyone's like, out of sight, out of mind, or they think they're the only one, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. you, you have to know that other people are going through it. And being an advocate like that is, is important. And, and not everyone's willing to do it. So so having a, a partner who's supportive and and can see that it's that it's a benefit
2: is is a big deal yeah and i'm trying to get them talked into doing a youtube channel <laughs> I'm like uh, i don't know because <laughs> the barnyard barnyard language i don't think is acceptable <laughs> on youtube so <laughs> that might be a difficult hurdle there <laughs> a bit more
1: editing maybe
2: yeah and I don't know in my day-to-day where I would even fit in editing. So I have to, that's another thing I got to see mm-hmm. what time constraints that would be. So
1: that leads into our next question, actually, which is what are some of your future future goals for the farm, for the family?
2: What so, do you
1: have on the horizon?
2: I'll let you on a secret. We're buying Ooh. farmland that is adjoining to our farm. So we're growing. Uh, it's very exciting. So that's going to lead to being able to bring in more cows to be able to support our demand for our beef. And one of the farms, we're buying two pieces that are connected that also connects to our farm. It has a farm market on there. So the market that is selling our beef is the market that we will be purchasing on that land. So I don't, I, yeah, a lot, like, I don't know where a market will bring me. Yeah. That's big. (laughs) And the market manager that's there now is fantastic. And I told him, I don't want him to go anywhere. Like I can't run a market and do what I'm doing. So just building that relationship. And is that a year round market? I would say three quarters of the year. He shuts Mm -hmm. down a little bit after Christmas for a few months there. And then sure, yeah, opens back up. So, and it's, we have cows. I know cows and I know chickens and this farm has horses. So now I'm a horse landlord, I guess. I don't know. You call it. I'm like, I don't know horses. So this is gonna, this is opening my eyes right now to horses.
0: Well, Daniel, I think that brings up an interesting point too, that if you're direct marketing, you have to have more of the city people around or It certainly helps, you know, to have folks with disposable income and that desire, especially for a premium product like Wagyu beef that, you know, you, we need those customers. And so trying to to balance that with our desire to be left alone.
2: Yeah, and And the market is out on a main highway that everybody that goes to the Jersey Shore drives on during shore season. So that was where this whole selling meat direct individually came from. I was like, why aren't I like getting into that market? Like that market's there nobody else is doing that in our area. I need to capitalize on the short traffic. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's yeah, where that started. And I started that relationship because they also sell our eggs. So I'm always in there selling our eggs. And then I'm like, Hey, are you open to selling meat? And then we ended up making an offer on the farm to buy and that's coming with it. So it's exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. But I see a lot of work. Like I don't like I, yeah. I don't know where I'm getting all these hours to work in, (laughs) but we're going to make it work. Well, maybe don't propose the YouTube channel right away. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so with this new land, we have new crops to plant. And so Fred's been on YouTube following a few people, sure, seeing what they're doing, what different crops, because it's funny when, like you talk to Fred's dad, who's 92, he's seen a lot of change, but He's so set in his ways, and it's like, nope, this is what you plant. This is it. That's that's the only variety there is. So Fred's like, Oh, we can plant this and we can plant that. And it's like, it's dad's not so like open to it, but it is in the end our choice, but it's just funny. So we're learning because we're not familiar with all of the different varieties. So I'm like, Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to talk to a camera like that? And he, I guess. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) So I dunno.
0: Danielle, we'll have to send you a link to our guest, Dana Seifert, that we had on one of our first episodes, actually, her husband runs a YouTube channel, They Farm Up by Minneapolis, and he farms with his dad and sort of the same dynamic that, you know, his, his folks have been pretty.
2: Straight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> normal
0: farmers. Sorry, Mike. And, you know, so he's YouTubing all of this change and it's, it's interesting stuff. And he's, you know, he's really good at his channel and you know, it's enjoyable stuff, but sort of working on making that transition into
2: different. Yeah. Things. And I would like to look at that. Yeah, for sure. And it's yeah, and his Crest dad's farm over Ravenview oh.
0: farm. I don't remember which one it is. Okay.
2: I'll, I'll send it to you, though. Yes, please. So it's fun. Because at 92, his dad is still on a tractor every day. And it's amazing. And I, yeah, I hope to be able to follow in his footsteps.
0: So we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at a county fair, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up to ensure your domination.
2: So on a funny note, cause I try to be humor. I think I would do like the blue cotton candy eating contest. I would dominate. <laughs> I love blue cotton candy. So is that quantity or speed? What do you think? Quantity. i'm
1: just picturing oh. like jamming it all in oh. oh my
2: god i don't know what it is about the blue cotton candy because normally they mix a bag and i'm like oh can you just make me a blue bag please
1: <laughs> i don't want that mixed up.
2: yeah how do you deal with it ripping up
0: the roof of your mouth though i mean because i love me some cotton candy but it always like
1: i don't know if i have that what kind of cotton candy are you I using, I know. Candy? Is yours, Wait, is yours- is it not supposed
0: to have fiberglass in it? No, no it like melts in your mouth. Yeah. The- maybe it's the maybe- higher humidity out here or something. It, <laughs> I, don't like, I don't know.
2: I don't. Maybe I've it has had that problem.
0: Mouth. I don't know. You
2: got to come to Jersey <laughs> and try some Jersey cotton candy. <laughs> maybe yours That's isn't fresh enough. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Well. Because our little county fair is nothing like the Midwest fairs. My aunt lives in Minnesota and oh my gosh we went out to their so yeah there's is it the state fair or their county fair state fair i state guess state fair yeah else? we have fair nothing fair. like that near us oh yeah. i wish we had that
1: yep my All right, I have one to of my, my one of my bucket list items is i want to Tra- do some more traveling. My years ago, well, on our honeymoon, actually, my husband and I went to Texas and we went to the Texas mm-hmm. State Fair. So that's the only state, I mean, I'm Canadian. So that's the only state fair I've ever been to. But one of my bucket list things is to, to hit all the state fairs.
2: So we'll go on tour. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll, invite, we'll invite you along, Danielle. We'll hit some Yes. Dreams. Yeah, but don't come. Don't put New Jersey on that list. <laughs> it's not. that it's, it doesn't compare. It's not impressive. Well, it doesn't compare. There's nothing to compare. We'll meet yeah. in New
1: York. It's supposed to be pretty good. Oh,
2: yeah. I'll do that one. <laughs> yeah. That's halfway Bye. for us, I think.
1: All right. I'm going to move us into our cussing and discussing segment. We've registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe. So if you listeners want to leave a cussing and discussing entry for us, we can play them on the show. So go to www.speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo, or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage@gmail.com, at gmail.com and we can read it out for you. Katie, what are you going to cuss and discuss this week?
0: So Erlene. I've been listening to a lot of true crime podcasts and this does tie in and also you know i'm restarting my same job i'm switching from being a contractor to being a full-timer and part of this is a week-long in-person work trip to san francisco in a few weeks
1: so katie actually has to leave her house <laughs> it's horrible
0: what pants on
1: how what your pants on embarrassed
0: i am about things like all my coworkers live in places that have things like uber and doordash and all these things and so i'm like you know what 10 or 15 years behind the times trying to like figure out how uber works and i was listening to this true crime podcast this morning about that guy in germany who like Met some guy on the internet and then killed him and ate. And I was like, you know, if he's not feeling embarrassed or ashamed of eating someone, why am I feeling so bad about not knowing how Uber works? Like, on the I wondered how you were tying these together, and I'm still confused. But I mean, on the balance of things that I should feel ashamed of, like not knowing how a ride-sharing app works should not make me feel worse than this guy did about eating someone. Like that's that's ridiculous. Okay. So whatever so, you're feeling ashamed and embarrassed of like if they're not feeling embarrassed about eating people, why are you feeling embarrassed <laughs> about your floor being dirty? Yeah. Okay. Danielle, what do you have to cuss and discuss? Oh my gosh. That's a crazy <laughs> look now too.
2: So <sighs> I don't know. How about, I don't know, your second born trick or your first born tricks you into thinking raising kids are easy, and your second born is like, hey, I'm going to prove that wrong. <laughs> you thought you knew what you were doing? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. That second born this weekend. Yeah. That little shit. Yeah. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I hear you.
1: So mine is. It's spring, which is lovely. Eventually we'll get to put some crops in the ground. That is great. But spring means bugs, which is fine. But do either of you have the like stinky ladybugs in your houses? Yeah, okay. Katie's nodding. Yeah, no, not a thing for you, Danielle. Uh -uh. Yeah, so they they look like a cute little ladybug. And you're like, Oh, it's a ladybug. That's cute. I like ladybugs. But then if you touch them, they smell and And they're like, they swarm yeah and they like swarm in the windows and they like like ladybugs crawl kind of like weird and yeah just the spring ladybugs they're stinky and gross and i don't want them in the house but spring so i guess it comes with the territory and
0: they are they're like asian beetles or something technically they have yeah. apparently no redeeming
1: qualities whatsoever. oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, other so. than looking kind of cute until you touch them. Yeah,
2: we have stink bugs. Do you guys have stink bugs? Yes. Yeah, yeah. those yeah. stink.
1: <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for joining us here, Danielle. If people wanted to find you online and follow your delightful social media, where can they find you? What's your so, website? All that kind of stuff.
2: Yay, on Instagram. I am Clover Valley Farm, and our website is also clovervalleyfarm.com. And we just, I just released today a shop. So we have a clothing, some shirts with some, cl- our name on there. Ooh, that's exciting.
1: And when you have a market, is it going to be, are you renaming it to your own name or is that still gonna, for discussion? We
2: are going to keep it what the farm name is currently, which is farm on the point. We don't want to change that. Yeah. Well, good luck with
1: all of your future
2: ventures. And thank you for being here with us today. Yay. Thank you guys so much for having me.
1: Now I'm feeling
0: ashamed and embarrassed about talking about cannibals.
2: So. <laughs>
1: I just, I just really didn't to know where you were going thing. with it.
0: I was just trying not to put too much detail into the whole thing.
1: What yeah. you just learned in your true crime podcast. Yeah. That's All hysterical. Right. Hit stop recording, Katie.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyardlanguage to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making
1: the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode.
0: You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter we are Barnyard Pod. If you'd like to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group.
1: We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.